and welcome to today. Uh, I'm Ryan Joe. And, oh, I'm Ryan Joe every day, and we've got Jeremy Nees from Story, and we've also got David Downs joining us. Uh, welcome, David. Kia ora, kia ora. Nice to nice to know that you know your own name, Ryan. I'm not, 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 not know what you've been doing. Good start. Good start. So good today start. we're going to be uh, talking about Kiwi and innovation. So, David, best stuff. What you've been up to? Jeepers, that's a big question. What have I been up to um, since lockdown, or in general? Because um, I guess, but so just in, just, just in general. Just in general, mate. I'll give you a bit of background about me. So, I am. Um, uh, I, I know Mike from and the team from the Instillery, and uh, all good good people, good mates. And um, I work in my full time job or my day job. I work for the New Zealand government for New Zealand Trade and Enterprise helping businesses grow internationally. And in particular, I look after um, our work with some of the technology sector and in agri-tech in particular, so agricultural technology I've been doing a lot of work on lately. But since lockdown, I also uh, um, have been doing a, a little side project called SOS Business, which is trying to help small businesses stay alive during the shutdown period. So hopefully we can talk about that. And, um, and in previous iterations of my life, I'm on a lot of boards and and uh, I do some charity work, and I've written a few books about innovation and ingenuity. So, not all of them, just a <laughs> few of them. I don't want to, you know, put on ears and graces. I've only written some of those books, not all of them. So there cool. you go. Is, is an awesome, uh, awesome concept. Could you tell us a little bit about this before that before we get into it. Oh, the SOS business. Thank you very much for asking. My word, and now a word from our sponsors. Um, actually, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, uh, you know, when we were going to lockdown, I was sort of thinking about the little cafe owners and restaurants and bars and stuff and how they're kind of, that's really part of our fabric of our society. And I thought, well, in fact, I was talking to someone, I thought, well, we could jump online and sort of buy the lunch that we would normally buy. We'd, you know, go out and buy coffee or lunch, you know, most days or something. Um, but but unfortunately, the, most of the cafes and restaurants didn't couldn't sell, you know, they just don't have any ability to sell you a voucher or a, a future gift card or something like that. So. So I thought, oh, I can do that. And I jumped online and my son, who's a bit of an IT guy, um, will be laughing now because he, he he thinks I'm a bit of a dinosaur. But I, I used to be in my day, I was a bit of an IT guy. And um, and I whipped up a little website um, and, and started selling vouchers for the cafes down the road. And um, two or three days in, we were getting massive numbers, you know, bigger, more and more cafes wanting to join, more and more orders coming through. So it was it was it was pretty cool, and then it started to really outgrow outgrow the system. So we we switched it over to Shopify, which has been an amazing move, and um, that was three weeks ago. As of today, we've got two and a half thousand companies, you know, small businesses on there. So restaurants, bars, cafes, hairdressers, nail salons, tattooists, all sorts of those little small companies and businesses. And they're selling you know five dollar, twenty five, hundred dollar vouchers for future services. So you know. Buy a hundred dollar voucher now and go and get a lunch for two or a lunch for four or something later, and uh, yeah, it's just going, it's going huge, going gangbusters, and all the money goes to those venues. It's just this sort of a not-for-profit thing, and there's a bunch of us now working on this. I've got a whole lot of people helping because it takes quite a bit to run uh, all the system. So yeah, it's been it's been a really a really cool experience. You, you can't count on your son to help run that, can you, David? He's been in his spare time. Uh, when, well, like, hang on, because I think you know I've got, I don't want to get him in trouble with his boss. But in his spare time, he's been thinking about with a bit of the software dev stuff as well, bit of front end development, bit of design work. Yeah, yeah. 
pretty yeah. good. For those who uh, don't know, Jack Downs, David's son, works uh, with Jeremy and I. So oh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, <laughs> um, awesome initiative, um, David, and um, support that as well. We're giving away um, three $50 vouchers uh, today. So if, if um, you... So for the first three people that tag or would pick three winners who tag their local cafe or bar or other establishment, I didn't actually realise it um, extended to all these um, other establishments. Um, I'll have to go to my local group. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, tag them in or um, add them in the comments and we will pick um, random winners and you will get a $50 voucher if you do that. But cool, um, cool initiative. And... Um, Shopify, I mean, um, how how timely and relevant is that as people look to trade the bricks and mortar um, and, you know, um, pretty quick and easy to set up as well, right? Yeah, I've been working. It's interesting. I've been working. It, it was really lovely that some I set this thing up initially on a different system and then some people from Shopify actually two or three days in just came, you know, saw what I was doing and, and reached out to me and said, do you want a hand and we'll, we'll help you port it over to Shopify and blah, blah, blah. And it was great. And what, uh, what we've now been using that thing in anger, you know, really, we've got hundreds of thousands of transactions going through, you know, and it's great because the Shopify people are kind of learning what it's like to really run a store as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Good system. And on the weekend, we just um, realized that we could enable the kind of click and collect sort of functionality. Oh. Um, a lot of these little places, you know, they, they can't, they, first of all, they couldn't sell online. Now, and then we said, well, actually, we could set them up a little mini store of their own. And there's some add-ins to Shopify where people can book a pickup time, uh, which gets allows them to basically do a curbside delivery. So imagine you could, you know, you can't get takeaways, but you 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 go online, buy a voucher and book a pickup time. And then this coffee shop comes and um, kind of gives you, your, leaves the coffee outside and you pick it up. So a whole bunch of them are signing up for that at the moment too, which is pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, look, I can see the ancillary is saying comment on your local favorite business and win one of three $50 SOS Cafe gift cards. Thank you. Awesome. Jeez, we're pretty good at this um, streaming thing. Didn't even know we could do that. There you go. Um, pretty, fancy, isn't it? pretty fancy. Hey, uh, David, you've um, you've obviously been around the New Zealand high tech industry uh, a little bit now. Um, uh, you're part you're, of old. you're calling me old, aren't you? That's what you're <laughs> no, no, Experienced. Experienced. You started very young. Um, <laughs> Um, the oh, they're gone. Um, I on where the real and you know with agri-tech and the other bits you mentioned, where where you see the real um areas of growth for news and competitive advantage for New Zealand businesses in the high tech um sector are. Well, and this is uh, obviously the world has changed massively in the last two months, so um. But actually, interestingly for us, I think in New Zealand, the, the areas of traditional strength for us are still going to be traditional strengths in the future. So um, I, I've spent most of my life in the technology sector um, and tech has been a big growth engine for New Zealand over the last 10, 15 years. But, you know, still still the reality is New Zealand is a large agricultural and horticultural development uh, you know, supplier. Um, and the marriage of the two things is what's really interesting. As I said, I've been working on agri-tech for about the last... Um, year or so working across government and industry trying to pull together kind of a national strategy for growing the agri-tech sector uh, and that's um that's been really fascinating because this is an area where it sort of marries together our traditional strength on the land mm. and our new kind of the new emerging strengths that new zealand has around technology and we've got huge opportunity there and i think post-covid you know and this is what we're, discussions we're having at the moment in government is what are what are the areas of strength that new zealand wants to exploit you know, in the future. 
post-COVID, we're going to see even more opportunity there. So I would say um, globally, we've we've got some of the best technology companies in the world. I mean, not not the same number or the same scale, but we've certainly got the ingenuity here. Um, and now what we've got to do is be really clever about how we um, get that back out into the market and kind of keep winning customers. So that's kind of the, that would be my number one area. And then there's probably some other stuff in terms of games and gaming technology, digital tech type stuff as well. But yeah, that, that, that'll do for now. Lots you of opportunities. Sorry, Ryan, you go. You mentioned the, um, uh, you know, planning post-COVID and stuff. You know, everyone's talking a lot about the destruction to the New Zealand economy. Um, but do you know, do you know, do you see any, do you think there could be an upside for New Zealand? We optimistically, we could probably, we're probably going to be in quite a different situation to a lot of the other countries around the world. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, gosh, you got to be a bit careful, Ace, being, I'm a complete optimist, by the way, I've got to be careful, I've got to, I've got to put that, you got to be careful, because of course, there's a lot of pain that people are going through and will go through, and so we've got to be empathetic to the fact that, yeah, lots of businesses are going to um, find it really challenging. However, <laughs> I do agree with you, Ryan, that actually, this is an op this is a time of opportunity, um, and that New Zealand does have some some strengths and some real um, advantages. That, and funnily enough, they're, they're, they're the things that traditionally were, were a weakness for us. We're, we're a long way away. We're an island nation. You know, our markets are quite distant. You know, for, for many years, that was a real problem. That's actually uh, lately become less of a problem in terms of technology can solve a lot of those problems. And right now is actually, if anything, an advantage because we have the ability, almost unlike any other part of the world, apart from maybe Iceland, to actually you know, eliminate the virus for two, for the next year or two until the vaccines are out there and build our economy um, at the same time. So I think we, we've got some massive advantages. Um, we're also a country that's um, got a really strong economic backbone. You know, we're, it's going to be tested pretty heavily like everywhere in the world, but we're actually, fun, the fundamentals of New Zealand economy are pretty strong. And uh, the other big advantage we've got is that everybody wants our food. You know, we grow enough food for 60 to 70 million people um, and it's high quality, high value. So those sorts of things will always be will be sought after. So I reckon, yeah, there's lots of things going in our favour at the moment. We've just got to work out how we cleverly, and it, this is we at national level, but also at each individual company level, how you navigate the next six to nine, six to, nine to 12 months to make sure that you're setting yourself up for that sort of success in the future. So I think that's the, the critical the critical period really just to, to make sure that we have we can emerge from this and be able to exploit all those advantages it, it does feel that the situation as well has the opportunity to just accelerate a, a lot of stuff that people were thinking about and whether or not that stuff like supply chain automation yeah. um using you know uh, digital to get stuff um you know to people you know sales cycles etc that all those things that you sat there and thought yep i, I can see myself doing that in the future and i'll you know yeah. think about now, Jesus brought some of that to um, front of mind, yeah. um, hasn't it? I, I was sort of saying this to someone else in the last couple of days. Too, there has never been a better time for innovation. The conditions are fantastic, like the receptiveness to new ideas, uh, the speed that people are moving at, the way that government and private sector are really kind of working together. I mean, again, I'm an optimist, but I see this stuff as being incredible. I mean, just think about the innovation that's happened in healthcare and education in the last six weeks. <laughs> you know, we have for many, many years. I've worked in the you know health technology, um, and we've been talking about wanting to do telehealth and e-health, and basically, you know, getting away from this paradigm where I have to physically go and see a doctor in a five-minute schedule that suits them, not me. And 
you know, it, it was just, and we, but we were really struggling. All of a sudden, in six weeks, we, we, we've thrown a lot of that away, and now we have the ability, you know, many doctors, and they're not doing it well yet, but they're doing it, which is to have telehealth type, you know, you know health yep. care and stuff like this, we had a call with a doctor earlier today. Similarly, in the education sector, um, tertiary, primary, and, you know, intermediate, and all that, you know, and, and my son's at high school, he's doing those classes on Zoom. Um, that sort of, so the innovation has happened really, really quickly, and I think this is one of the things about this particular time, is that we're seeing this license to kind of innovate, and, um, Hopefully, you know, and in fact, I'm more than hopeful, I'm pretty sure it will, when we when we come out of the end of this, everyone's going to go, man, we've moved fast. We did some pretty cool things. You know, why can't we be like that, you know, forever? So that's kind yeah. of the advantage here. Some of those things as well that, you know, um, I've, I've worked around the education sector and technology a bit and some of the, the things that, you know, we're in the too hard basket. You know, how do you create a policy that says people get internet for free at home and how do you do that without it upsetting the private sector and who funds it and how do you means test it all yeah. too hard right and it's really yeah. really interesting how quickly that became not too hard and and you know I'm, I'm sure the policy stuff will catch up now and similarly you know health if it was around privacy concerns and all that kind of stuff i don't you know my view is that stuff won't sit by the wayside um it's just going to force the, the point and people will have to um understand how they um how they manage those things rather than it being you know sorry yeah. we can't do this it's just just not, um, we're just not ready yeah it's some good points you make there i think the other related point is that one of the things we've got to be very careful of is that this period of intense change and in innovation and technology adoption doesn't further alienate people in our um, society you know, New Zealand and all parts of the world, but New Zealand has a has an, a serious issue with inequity, and you know, in many levels, you know, homelessness, you know, poverty, um, and it, it, technology is one of the things, unfortunately, that that can exacerbate uh, inequity if you're not if you're not careful. So, yeah, it's been it's been really good to see um, over the last few weeks that people realise that oh, we're going to all go digital for our for our education and get our kids online. That's great, but what about those kids that don't have internet at home don't even have a, a computer or, or or a tablet or anything how can we quickly move to that and there's been a number of really good initiatives really again quickly um to get devices out to homes to enable um you know the technology infra infrastructure to allow people to connect so that's a, that's probably one of the key little things we've just got to keep an eye on is that this is a period where we've got to, we've got to let everybody be successful not just um those of us that can afford you know the technology to run stuff like this what of internet as a basic human rights been floated for um many years now and it, it kind of again just brings that back to the fore right and i've always been probably a little bit reluctant to go yeah it's a basic human right but you know you've got stuff like government increasingly putting services online and making it easier and cheaper to interact with them and you know there is a point at which i think you, you need to go well if anybody could um could access the mailbox and send a letter in or use some check in at which point do you just go we've got to suck this up and figure it out yeah yeah i think these are questions that we have to look at you know oh god we're getting very philosophical here chaps <laughs> it's, it's about what does it mean to be a society and again this is what COVID is teaching us is this you know and again I, I'm, I'm being fascinated to see this kind of level of humanity that's kind of come back you know um even though we're all at home and we're all in our own little boxes and we're talking to each other over devices what i've perceived in the last month is how amazingly uh, more open and vulnerable and human we've been. Um, 
you know, to you know, to the point where in the first week or in the first few days or week of COVID, everyone was sort of quietly telling me, you know, shush and shut the door and you know, I'm on an important call. And now you go and cause there's kids running around in the background, there's hammering, you know, there's people are making dinner, I'm having my cup of tea, you know, because we've just realized that lot that just take us as you find us. So I think this is one of the things to say about about the positive things about that's happening in this crisis is that we are seeing um, we're seeing the humanity of others. What what as I say, what's beholden to us now is we've got to make sure that we actually make sure everybody in society can benefit from the shifts that are going on. That's my philosophy. You mentioned the digital divide a bit and how it applies to um, education. What, what, how much harder do you think that it is when it comes to things like advances in medical, medical technology? Yeah, well, okay, that's a leading question because you might know I've got, a bit, I've got a bit of experience with medical technology personally. Um, in fact, let me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Here's a little something I wrote earlier. So, um, for those of you who might not know, basically, I, I had a, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer a year or two ago, and um, a few years ago now, and uh, was very lucky. I'm sure making this the story very short, but I was very lucky to be um, a, a trial participant in a clinical trial in the USA in Boston um, for a new type of medical technology, which is called CAR T cell therapy. It's an immune therapy, basically retraining the human immune system to fight cancer. So, so I was incredibly lucky you know the point you make ryan about equity you know i was lucky because um not only was i able to you know find and, and convince people to let me on the trial but i was lucky in that the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it cost you know wasn't a, a huge wasn't the final barrier for me um thanks to lots of help from friends and give a little campaign and um and some luck but many people don't have that kind of luck or don't have that kind of access and you know for, for most people or many people, hundreds of thousands of dollars for medical treatment would just be out of the question. So I think you're quite right. We've got to be careful that uh, that we allow everyone to access medical technology. And we're really lucky in New Zealand that in the, on the whole, money is not an issue. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from in New Zealand, you can get access to, to medicine. Um, that's not necessarily true in the rest of the world. Cool. Um, David, um, I guess New Zealand's place in innovating in technology, um, medical technology, rather than um, consuming it. Oh, there's another book. There's another two book. <laughs> anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> um, keen, keen to understand your thought um, thoughts on that. Like, do we um, are we are we well configured? Um, do you think as an um, as a country to um, to participate, I guess, in medical tech? Is that something that's too big and too hard for uh, little old New Zealand? Or, you know, do we have some advantages in that space as well? Um, I don't buy the argument it's too big and too hard for New Zealand. New Zealand, you know, we, um, we're we very successful on the global stage on, in lots of areas, and medical technology is one of them. And yes, in, in these little little books, there are some really good examples of um, good medical technology. Think of Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, at the moment think of what they're doing i mean they they make if you don't know what they do they make medical respirators you know have you heard that lately um so they're obviously a really successful but new zealand business they were in a, a real niche of um sleep apnea devices and now respirators uh you know a, a, the most sought after thing on the planet at the moment so so that's cool um and similarly even with the technology i was talking about with um 
gene therapy, which is what I did. Uh, there's places in New Zealand, the Maligan Institute in Wellington, for example, who who are up there with the best in the world at the sort of genetics around um, gene therapy. So I don't think I don't ever buy the argument that New Zealand's too small. That the challenge for us is always that if we're going to be successful on things like this, we we probably have to work out how to partner correctly, correctly, how to find the right channels kind of to market research and and um, you know and that sort of thing, so that we're not trying to do it by ourselves all the time because it, it, we don't have the scale. So that's the that's probably our biggest challenge is that we're small. Um, the, the far away thing is no longer relevant. The fact that we're small is very difficult to get over. So you partner with other people to um, to give you that advantage. And the, and the, the, the companies in medtech that I see being successful are the ones that really have worked out that how to partner and work with other companies and go to market together. That's presumably a role that NZTA helps with, uh, NZTE, sorry, helps with as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. So NZTE for the, just quick advertisement, a word from our sponsor now, as if I wasn't, you know, doing enough bloody advertisement. <laughs> um, uh, at a cafe, buy a cafe voucher. Um, you know, so NZT New Zealand Training Enterprise, who I who is my my employer, our job is to help companies grow internationally, and so we work with New Zealand businesses who are trying to export their products and services and IP, and we work with investors who are coming to New Zealand to bring their money to New Zealand for productive growth, and yeah, our job is to help companies work out the best kind of path to market for their technology. So you've got an amazing widget or piece of IP that you've developed or way of doing things. And we'll help you work out how do you, you know, how do you find a market? Who who do you work with? Uh, you know, do you, do you partner with someone locally? Do you find a channel distributor? Yeah, that, so those are sorts of models that we work with. So yeah, we, we work with about um, about seven or eight thousand New Zealand companies, and um, of those, um, about seven hundred of them very intensively. So yeah, it's a big it's a big part of what we do. You mentioned. Um... <clears throat> Uh, some of the emerging tech and innovation in, in that space and, and medical tech. How, how did you um, how, how did you discern what was kind of really real versus what's what's fiction? You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, particularly at the moment. Yeah, gosh, it's hard. Eh? This is we're in the post truth era. Um, well, yeah, truth is just a sort of an optional thing, or it has been. I think we now. What's actually, I'm just as a quick aside. What's really cool is seeing um, how some countries are really now paying attention to science again, because um, that was a real worrying trend over the last couple of years, where science wasn't seen by politicians as being important. But I think now, particularly in New Zealand, the scientists and the medical people are, 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 are coming through. But to answer your question, yeah, there was a hell of a lot when I was, I know when I was sick, for example, I was getting a lot of people suggesting really weird treatments and you know, strange concoctions and, and um, yeah, and people do find it hard to differentiate. And this is one of the challenges with, we get a lot of, um, you know, information pushed it up over Facebook or, you know, whatever your platform of choice is. Um, and it's hard to differentiate what's good and what's not good. So you've got to go back to root cause, you know, go back to the source, make sure you're not just taking people's perspectives and opinions at face value, but you've already got to do some critical thinking. And I think that's one of the key skills that we've got to make sure that Particularly young, you know, younger people than me. So you guys, for example, um, you've got to think about, you know, don't believe everything you hear, and think critically about what you hear, and and make sure that you can actually find out the the source of the the source of the Nile, as it were, to um, you know, to to make your own sensible decision. But it's not it's not easy anymore. There's just so much information flooding around. Yeah, it certainly seems we've become a little bit less 
discerning um, when it comes to, to what we read. Um, David, just jumping into a bit of Q&A um, to, to um, wind this up. Um, first one, on the back of the COVID stuff, you mentioned Iceland and ourselves fairly um, isolated but have the potential for quite good tech sectors and some other stuff. Do you see the, um, the potential that New Zealand may become even more of a bolt hole for the tech um, sort of Silicon Valley crew that um, Peter Thiel's and that as a result of COVID and as people go, well, if the, the borders are closing but we've got, you know, a number, um, number of big fat pipes um, linking New Zealand yep. to the rest of the world now. Um, do, yep. I, do I make a move to Arrowtown? Yeah, I think the short answer is yes. Um, New Zealand over the last few years has definitely become a, a destination for many people. Um, and I'm not I'm not in that camp of, of dissing high net worth individuals who want to move to New Zealand. In fact, I love it. I just, you know, we want them to come here and be productive and spend their money productively, not just buy big tracts of land and sit on them. We want them to invest in companies and, you know, stimulate the local economy, and many of them do. So I th I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I think uh, many of the investments that we've made over the last few years are, are really helping. So we've, you know, New Zealand's broadband network is one of the best in the world, certainly a lot better than the USA, for example, which most people will find strange, a hell of a lot better than Australia. So we, we've got some really good advantages there that allow people to move out of the cities like Auckland and into regional New Zealand. So I actually, you know, I'm actually really positive about that, the benefits we can. We just got to make sure we do it cleverly and we're not just selling off beach land and farmland. Yeah, it's, I'm certainly could um, be cool to get a bit of that injection. I've always enjoyed my time traveling up and just working with some um, really smart, creative people. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, um, that, that can be a real bonus to our society. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've always sort of played with the idea that we take one of the islands in the Gulf and we turn it into like Silicon Island, you know, so it'd be like our Silicon Valley, but it'd be out in like Rakino or something like that, you know, give it a good life. But, but, and set up like a, this, you've heard of Singularity University, have you guys heard of that, which is this incredible um, incubator slash education place in, in San Francisco. Why couldn't we have that here um, in New Zealand? There's actually already some sort of, innovation stuff happening and just out of wellington and, and you know that's getting similar to that but why couldn't we you know and that why, would tourism as well why, why do you think that is i mean we've got the means do you think it's the investment required or or what is yeah it? Oh, i think we'll see a lot we've got appetite for it i think you know now we've got this slight complication that the borders are closed but um you know <laughs> put that to one side uh, i think we will see some you know thinking like that coming down the tracks we've got to really we've really got to think collectively and this isn't them that's not the government or the them it's all of us have got to think how do we be really clever in the next year or two to make sure that we're setting new zealand up to be one of the most successful equitable places on the planet and ideas like how do we become a global hub for innovation in a particular area you know will be part of that so yeah and, we, and then we marry together our traditional amazing strengths of our place and our people with this idea of innovation and bringing smart people to new zealand so paul callahan you, you might remember, you're not sure if you guys know, but he said basically that the secret to New Zealand's success was that we needed to be the place where people wanted to live. Yep. Um, I, I hadn't heard that, but it's certainly um, pretty relevant today. Um, yeah. Pretty relevant today. Another another question here asked, um, that is asking for your personal view, David, and says, hats off um, from Mike Jenkins. So this means it's probably going to lead you into all sorts of trouble. Um, about... Um, the decision to accelerate the focus and investment on shovel-ready infrastructure projects yeah. as a priority alongside digital-centric initiatives. 
actually, that's a great question. And can I just actually firstly start by thanking Mike for um, sending me two dozen uh, hazy IPAs to my house to say thank you for coming on this webcast. But you know, that's that's just a thanks. thanks. <laughs> um, no, the uh, look. There's an interesting thing because you know the the economic formula for recovery after a um, after a big crisis that was learnt hundred years ago after the Great Depression was that governments needed to spend money. That the only way to stimulate an economy is to start pouring. It's like pouring petrol into the into the tank to get things moving. The petrol in this particular case is money, and um, governments are, are uniquely in the position of being able to generate and spend money quickly. And so, in the absence of the private sector spending money. Um, the government's got to step in until the private sector sort of catches up. So that's kind of the economic theory behind um, behind what could, what's going on. The idea that the New Zealand government's picking is like, can we do large scale infrastructure development, uh, which again is not unique, it's kind of normal. Um, I, I'm all for it because, you know, infrastructure in New Zealand has been, um, I think, a, a under, under invested in over the last 10 or 20 years. Um, Interestingly, ironically, almost the government announced an, an, an infrastructure investment package only a few months ago, six months ago. So now they're going to accelerate that even further. The big challenge in, in, in being in government, in a government agency like I am, the big challenge is there aren't actually a, a heap of shovel-ready infrastructure projects. You know, like it's almost this vision that you've got that people are picking up some plans that they had in a drawer and blowing the dust off and then submitting them. Well, the reality is there aren't actually that many that are that ready to go. So you've got to actually, um, you've got to be clever that you're not just pouring a lot of money into poor ideas or, or whatever. So that's, that's going to be the trick for the next little while is making sure that those shovel-ready projects really are sensible. But if they are, if they're, if they're infrastructure around broadband or good transport or things like ports or, you know, uh, um, factories and that sort of stuff, then I'm all for it. Economically productive um, assets. Yeah, cool. Hopefully, um, hopefully you are. for me to be the minister of something, because I think I've got this all sussed. <laughs> well, not just the prime minister? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to, I want to actually get my hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I want, you want one of the shuttles. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, David, look, thanks a lot for joining us today. Really interesting chat, and um, uh, hopefully we get a um, few more comments through um, and, and can maybe answer some questions um, after this and by clicking them through to you. Just a reminder to anybody that's watching as well, if you comment with um, the name of your um, favourite um, cafe or, or um, whatever it might be um, that you can find on the SOS um, business website, we will be giving away um, three times $50 gift cards for that. So um, all you need to do is comment and um, we'll pick, um, randomly pick the winners and chuck them in the comments um, below tomorrow. So um, do do that. It is um, it is supporting a good cause. Um, and David, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Any last thoughts? No, I think it's great. I think what you guys at the Instillery are doing is, is great here. I mean, and this isn't blowing smoke up anyone, um, but... It, What's been interesting is to see organisations like yours that are that have focused on cloud productivity as a as a as an area of business innovation. If you know what I mean, like you're bringing cloud productivity. You guys are ideally situated over the next little while to to lead us through some of the stuff. You know, um, I was talking to someone from Zero today on a similar vein and said, look, actually, this is a point where the private sector, particularly those in the technology sector who understand distributed workforces and and models of working remotely. 
this is your opportunity to shine. So jump in, you know, start leading, being, being thought leaders, um, teaching the rest of the, the laggards and the economy about how to get yourself into the cloud. So, yeah, as I say, this is not just about blowing smoke, but I genuinely think that organisations like the Instillery um, have the opportunity to become thought leaders over the next couple of years. And, if, and you guys should emerge from this crisis as, um, as a key part of how businesses think about how they go to market. Make that three dozen beer. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we, we, we're definitely um, excited about the opportunity to help Kiwi businesses um, think about how they get back, you know, back up and not back up and running the same way, but what, what's next, right? And what's the torture? What it be? Because we've learned a, we've learned a um, shit ton in a very short period of time about all sorts of things we thought we could never do. We, we didn't think we could send, you know, for ourselves personally, we didn't think we could send um, 200 people to work from home and have our service desks operate that way apart from under, you know, massive duress. Um, uh, yeah. and, and, um, and we have. And, um, you know, it's been different, but it's, um, but it's worked. So I think, yeah, the um, opportunity to take lessons out of that and help, um, help ourselves, you know, I guess, get, get back up and running. Yeah, that's good. And, and um, lots of us are learning. I think the, the big thing, what, the final word from me probably is, don't emerge from this crisis saying how can we get back to where we were that, that's yeah. the wrong way to think about it you emerge from this saying how do we be better than we were before and learn what we've learned and and you know strengthen ourselves by having been through what we've done so i think that's that's the attitude we've got to have i'm i'm hearing don't everybody get back on auckland's motorways when we're in level two <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool. awesome david joining us really appreciate your time and um awesome initiative with sos business as well um sure. and um hopefully we can um get, get those vouchers away to some um and and you know help out a few people in a small way yeah it's great i no, appreciate it thanks very much guys nice to talk cheers, cheers. thank you